Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Great to be together. Thanks for celebrating with us this morning. It's going to be a great morning. We're going to do things a little differently as we are celebrating the victories that we have seen taking the gospel across the world. And this morning, the morning is entitled A Church Deployed. If you're taking notes, A Church Deployed. And as I was thinking about this message, and I'm only going to preach for about 10 to 15 minutes, and then you're going to hear from different ones that have seen God move in glorious ways. I thought about a story from when I was on the beach for a friend's birthday party. We were gathered at South Mission Beach and just enjoying a bunch of families gathered together. The adults were sitting in one circle. We were playing some music. The kids were running around enjoying themselves. But after a few minutes, the gentleman that was having the birthday stands up and says, where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? And immediately you feel your heart skip a beat in times like that, and he starts walking around our, our, our group, there were probably about 30 to 40 of us there, and we're not seeing his little three-year-old daughter. So we start going up to the different kids. My kids were a little older. Have you seen his daughter? Have you seen his daughter? No one had seen her. Well, next thing you know, we, we spread out across the beach. There weren't that many people. It was a week night, and some of us run into the parking lot. Others of us run into the restroom, and uh, searching the, the public restrooms there and just searching around the beach. And we reconvene in about 10 minutes. And by then, we're getting a little panicky. We still haven't found her. You know, at that moment, the next scene would just break my heart because my friend wades out into the water and he has his hands like this, thinking that his daughter might have drowned. And we're not finding her. We're kind of isolated uh, alone. And I see a sand dune that is about 15 feet piled high where they often pile sand together. And and I realize if I get up there, maybe I'll have a vantage point. I run up to the top of the sand dune. And the beach was pretty empty, but about 300 yards away, I see this tiny little speck moving in the opposite direction. And I think, could this be her? I take off running with all my might. Now remember, I'm on the, the top of the beach. I don't know if you've ever tried to run on loose sand. Uh, I was kicking myself for not being in better shape. So I'm running, I'm running. I get down closer to the water. I keep running and running and running. And by the time I get about 100 yards away, my heart just starts getting joyful because I'm realizing, here's the little three-year-old girl. I think I found her. And I finally get around, and I get about 10 yards away from her, and I'm just hearing her bawling. She's just crying so loud. And I finally run around her. And you know, this little girl, she has really poor eyesight. She had really thick glasses on. And what had happened is that she had just stepped out just a few feet from where our kids were playing and got disoriented and was trying to get to her family and couldn't find us. And she started moving faster and faster. And finally, she's 300 yards away. Well, I scoop her up. I say, hey, it's Mr. Robert. I'm here. I've got you. I'm going to take you back to your parents. Well, I know that her parents are are, are frantic, they're freaking out, so I take off running. I don't know if you've ever tried to run 300 yards on a beach with a three-year-old in your arms, but by now, my lungs are just burning. I am dying. 
And when I get about 100 yards away from our group, the father sees me, and he takes off sprinting. And by the time he gets to me, he has tears pouring down his eyes. He grabs his daughter, holds her close to his chest, and looks at me in the eyes and goes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And at that moment, I thought, wow, there is nothing better than returning a lost child to a father's arms. And then I realized at that moment, you know what, that's our calling as the body of Christ. Our calling is to heal the father's heart by returning lost children into his arms. You know, that's your calling. That's my calling. Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And he looked at his disciples, all of his disciples, and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And I want to unpack that today as we've been in a series talking about real church. We've been talking about this journey of transformation. We go through these five Ds. We talk about you making a decision, understanding you need God's grace in your life, and knowing that Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. We talked from there about getting delivered into freedom. We talked about getting dunked about getting baptized to show your old life gone and your new life come. We talked about being discipled by getting into a small group community and being mentored. But the last D is talking about deployed. And Jesus has a plan not only to change you, but then to use you to change other people. And we'll get into this in Luke chapter 10 if you want to turn there with me. Luke chapter 10, it says this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want to ask you actually this morning to keep me and my family in your prayers. We'll be leaving right here at 10 o'clock uh, to lead a, a family mission trip to Guatemala. So we're being sent out this morning as well. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to the house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you there. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its street and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. We're going to skip to verse 16. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, I love that, I love thinking about Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. 
All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You see, the Lord Jesus was sending his followers out on short-term mission trips. And they returned, and they were amazed at what had happened. And Jesus says, listen, for years, people that you've read about in this book, they've longed to see what you're seeing. Prophets have longed to see it. Kings have longed to see it. But now you're seeing it. And I want to tell you, these ones that are sharing this morning and you that have been with us in this church, we're living in a day and age that the prophets of old dreamed of. We're living in a day and age where the Spirit of God is being poured out on all peoples. And where those who receive that message of grace when we preach the gospel, they can be saved, they can be transformed, but then they can be deployed as his agents to transform the world. We live in an amazing time, beloved. And let me just give you several points from this message, from this story that Jesus is speaking of before we hear the stories and testimonies of what God has done here in our city and in the nations of the world. Point number one, Jesus sends out all his followers. Jesus sends out all his followers. There's this misnomer in the Bible that it was only the 12 apostles that got to do the kingdom's work. That's simply not true. Jesus sent out all his followers at this time. It says 72 other people that are walking around with him get to go out and do his kingdom bidding, and they saw the power of God, and they saw God move in amazing ways. I want to tell you if you're a part of the real church, which if you're sitting here today or if you're sitting across in many of the churches that are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, that's what the real church is, by the way. It's those who actually believe that Jesus is Lord, and it's only through his grace by shedding his blood on the cross and rising from the dead that we can be saved. If you're a part of that church, then you're called to do his kingdom bidding. You're called to go and share his gospel. You're called to make disciples. Number two, the harvest is plentiful, is what scripture says. Say that with me, the harvest is plentiful. Do you believe that today? I remember when we first came to San Diego, I heard many different people say San Diego is a hard place. I had pastors tell me San Diego is a very hard place to plant a church. But as we went to the streets, as we shared with our neighbors, person after person after person got saved. And what we realize is it's not that there's not a plentiful harvest, it's that the laborers are few. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. People ask, why do we see so many people come to know Jesus? It's because we have so many laborers. It's because people understand it's my responsibility as a child of God to share the gospel. God has appointed you in your business. God's appointed you in your school. God's appointed you in your neighborhood to be a missionary, and as you share Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful where you live. The harvest is plentiful in San Diego, California. The harvest is plentiful in the United States of America. 
and the harvest is plentiful around the world. They told us when we were going on our first mission trips, it takes seven to ten years to see a Muslim come to know Jesus. Now, by God's grace, we've seen thousands of Muslims come to know Jesus. We've seen people movements of Muslims. God is moving in unprecedented ways. God is moving in power. It says this, next, look for the person of peace. What's a person of peace? A person that accepts the message, a person that accepts you. That's how this church was built. When we came, we weren't a hive from another church. We didn't know anyone. We did a parachute drop, but immediately we started meeting our neighbors, and people were receiving the gospel. They weren't believers. They didn't understand the, the gospel, but they accepted us, and we shared with them. And as we shared with them, they took us from friend to friend to friend, saying, my friends need to hear this message. And that's how we saw so many people come to know Jesus. Can I just tell you that there's people of peace in your neighborhood? We get so discouraged when we share with one person and they reject us. What does the Bible say? Jesus is telling his disciples and says, when they reject you, just shake the dust off your foot. Right? Some of us need to go into work and just be like this, you know? We start talking to people, they reject us, and we just look at them and go, what are you doing? I'm just shaking the dust off my foot. You know, it's not your responsibility whether someone rejects you or accepts you, but what we do is we keep sharing until we find that person of peace because they're there. Just keep looking, keep sharing, and don't get so discouraged when people reject you. They rejected Jesus, right? That's not our responsibility. So just shake it, right? Everyone just take your right foot and shake right now, right? Some of you, some of you aren't doing it. Grab your spouse's foot and shake it. Don't be frozen chosen in here this morning. <clears throat> Next it says, heal the sick. Say, heal the sick. Okay, some of you go, gosh, I could never do that. It's because you've never prayed for anyone. When someone's sick, pray for them. When someone's sick, Jesus says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I, I, I don't know why some get healed and some don't. I prayed for a lot of people, but I tell you, the more people we pray for, the more people get healed. So let him do the supernatural work, but we got to give him a chance. The more pitches you swing at, the more likely you are to hit a home run. The only person who never hits a home run is the one who never swings. Okay? That's theology right there. <clears throat> Here's my last point. Reveal to little children. Jesus says this, I've hidden it from the wise and the learned. So many people think, well, I could never share the gospel. I could never make disciples. I haven't been to theology school. I haven't been to seminary. I, 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 I'm just a brand new believer. And Jesus says, no, God actually hid this from the wise and the learned, and I've revealed it to the children. You, you want to be in a place with some spiritual giants, go to our kids' ministry on a Sunday morning. I, I love hearing each week what's happening in those kids, the the way they're hearing the Lord, the way they're hiding scripture in their heart, the way they're laying hands on the sick and praying, the way that they're sharing the gospel, it does not take a rocket scientist. I love rocket scientists. If you're here, you're welcome this morning. But I just want to tell you that you don't have to be wise and learned to advance the kingdom. It just takes faith like a child. And God is moving through people who have a simple faith in him and just take Jesus at his word. I want you to hear this morning from some different ones who've taken Jesus 
at his word. And I want you to be able to celebrate. And after each one of them shares, it's right for us to clap and give a hand to the Lord. We share testimonies not to bring praise to men, but to give glory to God. And as you hear these testimonies, they'll give you faith for what God can do in your life. So let's welcome uh, Pastor Joel, our youth pastor, as he comes and facilitates that this morning. And as I slip off to Guatemala right now. Have a great trip. Thank you. All right, we've got some great stories, like Robert said. We're going to start with Gerard. Come on up. And uh, I've got a microphone for you right there. And you're going to say your name, what trip you were on, and what God did. Hi, my name is Gerard. Um, I went to the Moldova and France uh, trip. And, uh, awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, so I had, uh, we had the privilege of talking to a lady, a couple named Kat and Alex. Kat was uh, studying to be a doctor, and her husband Alex is um, an engineer. And uh, Mariah Gannon is the one who started talking to her. Uh, she had the privilege of praying over her twice. Um, uh, Kat um, loves to play volleyball. Uh, one of her games, she twisted her knee, so it got pretty messed up. Uh, Mariah started praying over her knee uh, two times, and it got a little bit better. Uh, she called me and uh, Nick Gannon, her husband, over to uh, pray for her again. Um, I started praying over her knee. Uh, she started feeling tingling and heat. Um, it got about 75% better. Um, so we started celebrating, giving thanks to Jesus, and then Nick prayed over her knee one last time, and she got completely healed in Jesus' name. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it was amazing. She couldn't understand what was going on because she was a doctor. She's like, what is this? Um, yeah, so that was It's always fun when doctors get amazing. healed. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about you prayed multiple times, so you felt tingling, or she felt tingling yeah. and heat, and you kept praying. Why did you keep doing that? Well, I mean, it says in the Bible, Jesus prayed twice for the blind man. So we should be praying a little bit more than twice. <laughs> hey, this guy can preach, huh? Yeah, so yeah. He, they started seeing her get progressively better, yeah. and so they kept having more and more faith. And she probably kept having more and more faith, especially as a doctor. Oh, yeah. So that's awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. At the end, she's completely healed? Completely healed. She walked off. She was, like, so happy, and she couldn't believe it awesome yeah come on let's, let's celebrate Jesus. that yeah yeah <laughs> hi my name is Chelsea and I was also on the Moldova and Paris trip and um, so every morning we would listen to God and so another girl on my team named Kara she heard God say look for Jesse and so she's looking for Jesse doesn't find Jesse but we're off so you guys were praying in the morning, and she got this word from God about this name. Yep. And so she just is out looking for Jesse. Yes. I don't, I don't know what you do on your normal days, but. So she goes out, doesn't find her, but then we're off doing sports ministry. She's playing volleyball, and the girl's name is Jesse. And she's like, I found you. And she, like, shows her her list, and um, she was a person of peace. So she had written that down even so yes. that she saw that, well, yeah. you you had prayed for me. Okay, that's cool. Exactly, yeah. So that was proof, and. Then we ended up playing soccer um, with them and this whole group of people, and we got to know their story more. Um, we met up with them later and even had a picnic, and their mom came and found out that they were from Lebanon. They were Muslims. They didn't 
practice, but they're from a different nation. And um, the mom, we told them, we're just here to tell you guys about Jesus. And, um, and the mom was really intrigued, and she's like, well, I want to hear Jesus just like you guys do. And so we prayed for her and got her, a word for her, and she was just like, wow, like that like really touched her. And so I saw that she was open, so I'm like, I'm going to do it. I told her the gospel and asked her if she wanted a relationship with Jesus, and she said yes. And um, So you didn't wait seven to ten years? Nope, right okay. in. Hey, it's hard to, to wait seven to ten years when you're on a two-week mission trip, so. Yeah, so she accepted Christ. I went off and awesome. um, played soccer with other kids, and I heard Jesus say, like, go for it again. And so I told her, do- um, her daughter, and um, her daughter also accepted Jesus. Um, and then um, invited them both to church. They both came, and um, then her, her other daughter came to the Lord. So Okay, that's a good day, huh? So, and then um, just some, we asked them how they felt, and the mom, like, had goosebumps, and um, the daughter just felt this, like, overwhelming joy. So it was like you could see the Holy Spirit in them. So good. Come on, Muslims coming to Christ in France in one day. So good to hear. Come on up. My name is Lori, and I was privileged to be on the team going to Greece. And um, one of the days, my team went on outreach, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, your little ones really need to rest. They were really frazzled. So I listened to that, even though I'd love to be out. How many little ones do you have? I have five kids. Three are six and under, so I, those are the... And you took them all, right? Took them all with Come my on. husband. Um, Anyway, I would have loved to be on outreach, but I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, we're going to rest today. And so I had lunch with the kids, took them to get a treat, and which is when I had the divine appointment of the entire trip. Um, And I met this widowed young mom from Syria who was in line in front of me to get the treats. And I wouldn't have even spoken to her because she didn't have a head covering. I was just paying attention to my kids. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, she's not from here. And so that prompted me to say, where are you from? Actually, she was kind of like looking back at me. It was just such a God setup. But um, when I found out she was from Syria, my heart just leaped, and I knew this is a divine appointment. God's going to do something, which he totally did. So got together with her a few days later, um, got to hear her whole story, how she lost her husband and her father. She was in Greece with her mom and uh, just her mom and her little two-year-old daughter, Anyhow, the next morning in team time, just like what Chelsea was saying, we wait on the Lord and listen to his voice. I was just sitting during worship, and I received a vision for her, of her, her and I, and then at the end of the vision, she's at the feet of Jesus, pouring out all her pain at his feet. He takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and places a golden crown on her head. And so I was just like, whoa, I was blown away, but I thought I probably should share this with her. I'm not, I don't know, a couple, Kelly and Lee were like, yes, definitely share it. Like, okay. So we got together the next day. Kelly Trimble came along, and um, I didn't know what was going to happen when I shared this vision, but as soon as I was done sharing, I was stunned because she said, I know this. I know this thing that you tell me. I have a dream just like this in Syria. Jesus came to me in a dream and gave me a golden crown and put it on my head. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is not happening. Ah! So... Oh, my gosh. So I interpreted the dream for her, got to share the gospel. There's so much more details that I'm trying to be concise here, so I won't put in there, but just supernatural. God just kaboom. He all kinds of stuff, uh, healing. But at the end of the evening, 
she says to Kelly in Arabic, Kaboom. Kaboom. I was like, like nothing I've ever Use experienced. Use that in the next testimony you share. Um, she said to Kelly in Arabic, when I didn't catch this, so I was like, wow, Kelly's going for it. And I guess this lady was ready. She goes to Kelly, when I had this dream, I felt that I would give him anything. And so at that moment, Kelly was like, whoa, well, would you like to give Jesus your life? And she said, yes, yes, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. So we lead her in a prayer. Kelly leads her in a prayer. And we put our hands on her and pray with her, a prayer of salvation and repentance. And then she feels all this stuff. Anyway, then we say, can we pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? She says, yes, yes. So we put our hands on her. We pray the filling of the Holy Spirit. We say, how do you feel? Do you feel anything? She says, I feel hot, all over hot. And so um, she spoke English, so that helped. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, so it was awesome. And then um, do I have a second more? Okay. So the really amazing thing was, I was so blown away. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, does she understand what even happened? And does she understand the gospel? Uh, praying for her and stuff. By the way, she wanted to keep talking. She wanted to take her daughter back to her mom, and that was like 9.30 already. She was like, I can take my daughter home. We can go back to your hotel and keep talking, which we didn't end up doing because I was like, I got to get my kids to bed and whatever. But when we met on our last night in Greece for a follow-up for discipleship, um, just she and I, I was blown away. Um, she said, I had a dream the next morning of Jesus again. And he said to me, Sara, you're with me now. Come with me. I love you. I want you. And she was so happy. She was obviously radically transformed by Jesus' love. And she just acted like someone who got a new boyfriend. That was how gushy she was about Jesus. Do you want to tell us more about that? <laughs> anyway, it was amazing. She's just on fire. She's being discipled by uh, Hannah, who's there running the internship for the summer. So, so awesome. God. Let's give it up for that. God's revealing himself to Muslims all over the world in dreams. So fun to meet someone that's actually having one of those dreams. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nadej, and this is Brandon. We were part of the team that traveled to um, South Africa this summer. Um, during one of our outreaches to a mall, we encountered a woman and her son. They were sitting um, on a bench in front of an eyewear store. So we approached them and asked how we could pray for them. And she shared that she had diabetes, pain throughout her body, um, and, but really needed a prayer for her eyesight. So um, I called Deborah over. Brandon and his wife um, were there. So we laid hands on her. I placed my hand over um, her eyes. Um, we began to pray for her. The first time we prayed for her, she said that her vision had somewhat improved. Um, we prayed for her a second time. She said it was better. We decided to pray for her a third time, just full of faith and believing that God wanted to heal and um, restore her vision. So we prayed for her. And this time when I take my hand off um, of, from her eyes, she just lit up and like she was seeing for the first time in her life and was just looking around. And um, Brandon just got in front of her and was just like counting and pointing um, to different things and asking if she could see and she was able to see. She was just so full of joy and happy and thanking God that he had healed her. Um, and then her son stood up and said that, um, that, you know, she couldn't see before without her glasses. And um, she was just able to see without her glasses and just looking at things and reading, trying to read different stuff. So it was great. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
So while that was happening, I noticed there was this guy sitting on the same bench and he was just looking and you could tell he was like clearly confused about what was happening. Um, I wish I could like take a picture because his face was priceless. Um, so I look over at him and I'm like, hey, are you seeing what's happening? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so I go over and talk to him and I'm sharing, you know, we're praying for this lady. That, you know, this is God that's doing this. It's because he loves uh, his people. He loves his children. And, um, and I just kind of just started sharing a little bit about that. And he just looks at me, he says, I, I want that. And so um, so I said, well, is there anything I can pray for you? Is there any healing or anything? And uh, he, he first shares, he's like, well, my girlfriend and I are trying to get pregnant. Um, and so I look at him, I was like, okay, is there anything else? You know, kind of tuck that in. That's, that's for later, a later discipleship Discipleship's yeah, a long process, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, and he just asked for some general stuff. And, um, and so, I, you know, I said, I'll, I'll pray for you, but let me, let me tell you about Jesus. So I shared the gospel and uh, he, he wanted that and he gave his life to Jesus right then and there. And um, yeah, it was really awesome. So it gets, it gets better. So I lead him through a prayer and then I pray, you know, for the Holy Spirit over him. And, uh, after we're done praying, he kind of looks up at me, he smiles and, and, uh, he looks at his ankle and he like rolls it around and then he like feels his back and he's like twisting it. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, well, I didn't tell you this cause I wanted to see what would happen, but my ankle was in pain and my back was in pain and it's gone now. So I was like, oh, sweet. All right. So yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So great. Thanks guys. That's what we call Jehovah Sneaky right there. He was just, just going to see if God would heal him while he got saved. That's great. So, hey, we don't just send out short-term teams. These are all uh, some of our night school of transformation students going on short-term outreaches. Y'all can come on forward. Uh, we send out long-term church planning works, too. We planted a church in South Africa, in Stellenbosch, South Africa. We were there on the first weeks of being there. These are some of our long-term missionaries getting back from Greece uh, we recognize them in the last service. Yeah, let's give it up for the Trembles. And they're, they are back for a season and ready to deploy back out long term. Hi, we're uh, Eric and Kelly Trimble. And um, we just want to share some stories. Um, God is doing something amazing in Europe right now. There's an awakening going on in Europe right now. And it's being fueled by Middle Eastern refugees coming to Jesus and going into Europe and it's fueling this great awakening throughout all of Europe right now. Uh, so I want to share one story, one of thousands of stories. Um, and it, takes, it took the whole year for this story. Uh, so it started our first trip there with the SOT team last summer. And it was our last day in the camp. And there's this man who we're just talking to. He's a Muslim man. And uh, we're, we're just bringing up Jesus. And he says, you need to come to my tent right now. And it's like, well, we got to get going. It, like, we, like sun's going down. We got to get out of here. And he's like, no, please, please come. Please come. So I was like, okay, I can come just for a little bit. So we go. And he goes into his tent and comes back with six different translations of the Bible and sets them down in front of me and says, I've been reading all of these and I have some questions for you. <laughs> and Don't worry. We train our School of Transformation students how to interpret six different translations of the Bible. So No problem. So I was like, oh boy. So we... Uh, so, so he asked me the questions, and there were some legit difficult questions. So I do the best I can, or talking, but it's getting late, and I'm getting Kelly's blown up the phone, like, where are you, where are you? And so I was like, hey, I got to go, but let me pray for you. And so I pray for him, and, and I just pray for God to reveal him the truth. And I, and I tell him, listen, Jesus is not afraid of your questions. God is big enough for all of your questions. Just keep asking him, keep asking, keep reading. And he said, when you prayed for me, I felt my heart move like a magnet was pulling it. And that's the same thing I feel when I'm reading these Bibles. And so I said, that's the Holy Spirit. 
keep following that. Just when you feel that, you know that's the truth. And so we go home. Uh, six weeks later, we're back in Greece. We get assigned to a different camp, so I don't see this guy uh, almost the whole time. Uh, fast forward to April of this year. Around Easter time, our team is putting together an Easter celebration just for our team, just to celebrate the resurrection. And this guy on our team says, hey, I met a Christian refugee. Is it okay if I invite him? And we're like, sure, no problem. So he invites him, and it's this guy. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he remembers me, and we like hug, and uh, it turns out he was seeking the truth, and he kept reading the Bible, and he kept looking and looking and looking, and every time he would come across a Christian, he would ask them the same questions, and he just said, I realized over the course of this year that Jesus is the truth. This is the truth. I've been believing something wrong my whole life, and now I know the truth, and so we, we just celebrated so much with him, and then two weeks later, he starts a church in his apartment inviting other Muslims to come that have the same questions he had. And so now in Thessaloniki, Greece, yeah, it's awesome, man. So this man has started a church. I just want to say that all started from just someone going on a short-term trip. That's, that's the power of these trips that we've been sending out this summer. Yeah, so it's amazing. And so that's actually not the first time that we ran into somebody that we had previously met, like on our trip, our first trip or right when we got there. And then we come into a tent and they're like, have a church happening in their tent. And one time they like prayed over Eric. We're like, oh my gosh, we came in here to bless you and you're praying over us. It's incredible. And so what we love about this story is that when you're making disciples, your hope is that the people that you're investing in will go and invest in someone else and disciple someone else for generations until you're unaware of the impact that you had. And so another really quick story is we met this guy, Ahmed, um, a couple months ago, and Eric shared his testimony. We prayed over him. He encountered the Holy Spirit, gave his life to Jesus a couple days later, and then he went, so this happened in Thessaloniki, which is where we left, where, where, where we lived. And then he moved on to Athens, which is kind of the next step in their journey to asylum. And so we connected him with some people that we knew there that continued the discipleship relationship. And at the point he left, he was still kind of timid, was scared of persecution, really hungry, but wouldn't share publicly. And so when we got there to host the two-week trip that went, we heard that he was, um, there was a, tr a team that came in, I think it was like 40 people, and he was boldly sharing his testimony in front of all 40 people, and he was their main Arabic translator, boldly going out and doing street evangelism. And so it's like, he's going to go in somewhere in Europe as well in a couple months. And so we're hearing stories now of people that we met that are in Finland, Sweden, France, I mean, all these different places over Europe. And it's like a fire is starting in Europe, and God's blowing on it, and it's spreading through all of these refugees. So to be a small part of that has been amazing. Praise God. Thank you, guys. Wow. I hope you're being encouraged already. God's moving on short-term trips. As people go on them, they become long-term missionaries, and uh, God's moving in the nations. But he's not just moving in the nations. He's moving here in our city in Matt and Maddie Kirk have been transformed by God, and God's using them to transform others. So bring us into your story, guys. Yeah, so I'm Matt. This is Maddie. We have uh, three beautiful children. Um, I guess where our story begins is um, we were both raised in Christian homes, uh, raised in the church, but somewhere around the teenage years, we, we fell away, um, both dependent on drugs and alcohol. And then when we met, um, actually even where I asked her to be my girlfriend was in a 
drug trafficking house out of state. Uh, yeah, really romantic. Um, Where did you start dating your spouse? Yeah. So, um, fast forward three years of, of just continuous drug dependency, alcohol dependency. Um, we had our first child, Cambria. Um, and after that, I think we got a little bit smarter. I guess you could say we sort of got it under control. We just weren't as reckless, I guess you could say. Um, and, um, yeah, but after the birth of our third child is when things got a little interesting. A little messy. <laughs> you notice how he passed the mic at that point? <laughs> um, so, when I got pregnant with our third, I went into a really, like, weird depression. Um, and, like, depression wasn't, like, a thing in my family. So it was, like, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Anyways, after I had him, I was kind of hoping it was just, like, a pregnancy hormone. Um, and it wasn't. So I had C-sections with all my kids. So um, I pretty much got dependent on pain medication for about two years. I was, like, a functioning prescription addict. Um, taking up to, like, 20 to 30 pills a day, like, just to get through. Um, if I wasn't seeking them out, I was on them. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, it was really bad. It was a very, very, very dark place, but the enemy had me deceived by thinking that I was more, for me, they were able to get me to do more, I guess, if you will. Um, so he had me deceived thinking that because I was more proactive as a mom, I was fine, it was okay, it was okay to do them, um, and I was hiding this from my husband, I was stealing them from people, I was lying to people to get them, put us in some debt, um, it, was, it was pretty bad. And Matt did end up finding out multiple times, and I kept telling him I would stop and I wouldn't, um, and just lie after lie after lie, and finally he was kind of brought to his knees. Yeah, so we, we went to many different measures as far as... Um, we told the whole family. Um, we did a thing even where she would share her location on iPhone so everybody would know where she was at all times because it kind of got to that point. Um, but there came a point in my life to where I didn't know what to do anymore and I had to literally surrender because, I mean, I just had such an intimate conversation, I feel like, with, with the Lord where I just said, whatever I'm doing is not working anymore. It's, I, I can't fix this problem and, and no one else can. So, um, it was like the next day, just things just started surfacing to where she almost had no, <laughs> she was just had to be honest. I mean, people were coming to me telling me what she was doing, where she was. And, and um, then um, I felt like, the, <laughs> I felt like the, the Lord told me, he said, you need to make her go to a women's retreat. So I did. <laughs> I, I signed her up for the Foothills Women's Retreat. Um, and even, it's, it's crazy, they wouldn't let you finish the application without um, saying, who do you want to room with? And I didn't really know anybody was going. So I looked at, like, the first speaker on there, the woman speaker, and I just wrote her name in. Um, and it was totally a God thing. She, she was in there with pastors' wives and people that were speaking. And, um, yeah, yeah, she fit right in. Um, <laughs> Um, but that was the beginning of our of our uh, of her transformation and mine as well. Um, and at that point, just God's timing just started working. Oh yeah, she was in sober living at that time. Sorry. Okay. The best part is, so when I went um, to this retreat, when first when he told me like you have to go, I was like, fine, I'm gonna go, and I'll just be like a fly on the wall and just get through it, and then presume you know, whatever I wanted to do. So. Um, 
I even remember his mom telling me a week before the trip, go enjoy yourself, don't be a fly on the wall, have a good time, and I was like, how does she know like what I'm thinking? So, um, that was weird. Anyways, leading up to this trip, um, some things happened, and so it was like a week, all this stuff happened. I ended up in sober living. Um, I was there for 30 days. Um, thank God for our families. They were helping Matt take care of our three kids, young kids, five, four, and two. Um, and so, I mean, thank God for him. He didn't complain one bit. Um, <laughs> and he, he could have. Um, so anyways, I ended up going to this retreat actually like ready for transformation. Like I um, kept doing some really like silly things. And um, really, I mean, there was a point at one time where Matt said to me months before, he's like, I think there's like demonic like, like oppression over you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no demons in me. I'm not like, you know, freaking out and being exercised. Um, but the enemy really had me, like, deceived that these were my own thoughts, and they were not. I was a completely different person. Um, so anyways, leading up to this retreat, I um, was really kind of at that point where I was like, there is something going on with me. There is something wrong. So I went um, ready to be delivered. And so, yeah, I didn't know anybody, but I was actually excited to be there at this point. And um, the first night when I got there, I knew no one. And let me tell you, that's, like, that's not my thing. Like, I don't do, like, girl trips. That has never really been my thing. So when I went, um, it was the most amazing people in my cabin, pastors' wives, and just, it was amazing. Anyways, the next morning, um, I basically told them, like, I'm here for deliverance. Like, I need to be delivered. I want to be healed. I want to be done with this. Um, and so they all laid hands on me, and I was delivered. Like, the whole heat, tingly thing, like, I was, like, sweating. Like, it was, it was awesome. So. Awesome. I literally had, like, a little extra, you know, bounce in my step. It was a great weekend, just more and more healing over the whole weekend. And so, but when I came home, um, I was, you know, obviously on a super awesome God high this time. And, um, Matt was still just very, like, okay, like, let's, like, prove it, basically, you know, because I had told him many times before that I had changed and all that. So, and I was still in sober living for a whole other month after this, and um, God just really gave me a piece to be patient, and, um, like, not that I'm going to prove myself, but, like, they will see it, you know, and they're going to see that you're transformed. And so, this was just back in September of 2016, so this was not even a year ago that that happened. Um, yeah, and then the, the timing was great. We got invited here in September, um, jumped into a life group with the Bianchis, um, but community is really where we started to see big changes in our family, kids. Um, so yeah, now it's to the point under the leadership of the Bianchis and the Gannons where our life group is multiplying. So Maddie and I will be leading a life group with the Bianchis and the Gannons with the Donalds, uh, and just God's doing big things. Yeah, That's great. So excited for you guys, so proud of you. Thank you so much. Awesome stories. God is at work in this church, in this movement, like you heard around the world, but also here in this city. And what we believe at All Peoples is that transform people, transform the world around them. That's really the heart of what we're seeing happen. And that's why as a church, we want to continually be helping 
you take your next step in transformation. And uh, we try to create avenues that can help you in your journey of transformation and what that next step can be for you. And so we've created some pretty easy uh, vehicles of transformation that are accessible to every single person. We have a little video that you can watch so you can turn your eyes to the screen for these three ways of transformation. My name is Jeff Bianchi, and I want to let you know about our Freedom Day coming up on July 22nd. Freedom Day is an opportunity for you to experience God's freedom in your own life and become an instrument of that freedom for others. We've all experienced different times in our lives where our lives don't match up with the abundant life that Jesus has spoken of. That's where Freedom Day comes in. Freedom Day is an opportunity to receive sound teaching and divine intervention from God in areas such as repentance, forgiveness, deliverance, inner healing, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm getting excited just talking about it. It's a time for us to come together in faith, believing God to be who He says He is, that where His Spirit is, there is freedom. Here are some practicals about our Freedom Day. It's from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday, July the 22nd. It's going to be a $10 registration fee, but that fee includes lunch as well as your Freedom Packet. Please come and join us, and we're looking forward to the time together. You know, what we've seen is that there is this deep desire in almost every believer, every Christian, to grow in their life with God, but many just don't know how. After 20 years of ministry and after almost nine years of growing and leading All People's Church, we've understood that there's this journey of transformation that people go on that's very clearly lined out in the New Testament church. And that is what the growth course is all about. It breaks down the three primary ways of Christian maturity. First, the vertical relationship, our growing in depth in our relationship of connecting in deep friendship with God. And that's our value, which we call Get Rocked. The second one is a horizontal value. That's how we grow in that familial relationship genre. And that is what we call Get Real. How do we deepen in community and understand how to be a contributing member of the body of Christ. And then the last one is an outward focus, and that is our give it away value. And in this, we are training people how to be deployed as Christians, how to impact their sphere of society. And so that's why I'm so excited about every person in our church growing through the growth course. We just had our first series of three classes and we had raving reviews. And I believe that this is going to help people truly develop in their faith. This will also serve as the membership course for our church for those who really want to understand how all people's functions and how we're specifically poised and training people to impact the earth. So can't wait for you to jump in and believe that God has something for you in the growth course. Hi, I'm Steve Herman, director of the All People's Church School of Transformation. I would like to encourage you to attend the School of Transformation this year as your next step in the pursuit of God. You know, Jesus said in Mark 12 that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And he said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. The School of Transformation will give you handlebars on how to achieve fulfillment of both of those great commandments. There are three core components in our curriculum. First of all, biblical studies. You'll read the entire Word of God in one year, and you will memorize portions of the Word of God. The psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Second, the school is about character transformation. We have teachings on brokenness, the Father heart of God, spiritual authority, being faithful and little, and pursuing the pathway of the cross. These are the kinds of teachings that once applied in your life by the Holy Spirit change you forever. And finally, the third core component of our school is to live on mission. To live on mission at home, in your sphere of influence, and at work in such a way that it spreads out from you and it changes everyone around you. You know, Jeannie and I made a decision in 2003 to attend School of Transformation. We are so glad we did. It literally changed our lives. And so we would encourage you to do the same, and that is to attend the School of Transformation and see what God will do in your life to make you more impactful in your current community, and who knows, possibly to the ends of the earth. Awesome. Well, hey, if you would real quick just get out your phone. You know, it's our desire as a church that if you're a part of this community that you would go through all three of these transformation steps. We've created an actual easy way for you to register for them. They're going to put a slide on the screen. Uh, you can text 555-888 uh, and you can text Freedom Day, that's one word, Growth Course or SOT. And there's some more information uh, there for you. But you can just do that right now and what it'll do is it'll prompt you to a next step that you can register for these different things. And you can just even ask God, God, what is the thing that I need to do? What's that next step for me? And you can just keep doing that. I'm gonna uh, lead us into a time for those that are here that maybe their next step is to accept Jesus into their heart. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, I don't know if I know Jesus like that. I don't know if I've given my heart to Jesus. Well, we wanna give you that opportunity. Three real quick things is number one, God loves you. Regardless of where you've been or what you've done, he loves you and died on the cross for you. Number two, it's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. And number three, all you have to do is accept it. If you could real quick stand to your feet if you're filling out that form, just keep doing that while I lead us in a prayer. But if you're wanting salvation, if you're wanting to give your life to Jesus today, you can just pray with me. You can say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Thank you for dying on a cross for me and loving me. I believe that you rose from the dead. I want you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And just real quick, if you're praying that prayer with everyone else, either their eyes closed or filling out this form, if you're praying that for the first time, would you just look up at me and wave your hand just real quick so I can see you. I'm not going to point you out. Awesome. I see you. I see you. Anyone else giving their heart to Jesus? Just real quick, just raise your hand. Just shoot it up in the air so I can see you giving your life to Jesus for the first time. We can have our prayer team come down to the front, our leaders make their way down to the front. We want to 
end our time with a time of just responding to God and whatever he's doing in your heart. Maybe it's asking somebody about one of these things and helping them in your next step of transformation. Maybe it's something going on uh, in your family or a financial crisis, or maybe you need healing. Or if you gave your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to come on down. And as we sing this last song, I just want to continue to, to ask you, what's your next step? What's your next step in transformation? Thank you.